Today on our show, we're counting down the top 10 unlikeliest movie heroes. Hit it, son. Uh, welcome to episode 384 of the Countdown Podcast, folks. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. And that opener right there is, well, could it be reflective of a, something on Wayne's list? Ah, uh, no. No, okay. No. <laughs> Michael Keaton might be an unlikely movie oh, hero the for actor. the original Batman. That's where I was coming well, from. Well, he's not unlikely. Movie. He's Batman. Yeah. Well, well, at the time, at his casting. Oh, his, the casting. Yeah. Oh, wait. Which way did we go on this? Well, that's what I'm okay. saying. It's going right, to be very, right. yeah, this very is gonna go weird. interesting this show. Welcome to the podcast. We can have movies and sometimes television in order of awesomeness, so you don't have to. And today's topic is one that we did a bit on the fly after seeing Bullet Train What's last that? week. Wayne said, how about unlikely movie heroes? We did not discuss, nor... There was no parameters of the brief. Put in place parameters around what that actually means. So you could be in for a very, very bumpy ride if this is your first episode. Welcome. It's great to have you here. Hello. If you're a returning listener, it's also wonderful that you have bothered to come back to us and trust us with your entertainment again. But we are glad to have you. Now, Paulie, that means that you may have gone with unlikely casting or... Unlikely hero, given the context the, the of the character. Film. Yeah, the yeah. character. I largely went character. So did I. Yeah, largely. So did I. So did I, I think. But although sometimes the casting factors. Yeah, no, into that, that. absolutely. I think that's fine. I think it's fine. But I've decided to let everything go and just have fun. So. Well, that's the nature <laughs> of this particular show. Well, well, maybe without any further ado, we should just get into it then with our first segment, which kicks off almost every week. It's called The Recount. Who wants a recount? Who? 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 Who wants a recount? Who? The recount is our mail room, and Paul, what mail did we get in the room? Wayne, it's been about four score and seven years since I last won a vote. The hell you say? And really? nothing has changed this week after last week's vote for the top ten dystopian films. With thanks surprised. to top level patron David Powell, you have triumphed by two votes: twenty six to twenty four, forty three percent to thirty nine percent. Despite at one point actually calling one of your films a utopia. <laughs> You know what? It was like it was the fifth element, and although I described it as utopian because it was bright colored, it was actually dystopian because shit was very bad. Well, <laughs> Mina Harker disagrees. He said Wayne had three utopian films on his list. The first one was endearing. The next two, yeah, missed the brief, mate. There. Oh well, these things happen. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Lamb said, "I'm kind of torn this week, but got to go with Wayne. I'm ashamed to be like kind of dig Waterworld." What up, dog? And don't worry about being Natalie Imbruglia. It happens all the time on this show. Oh, God. You probably need to explain that, Wayne. No, torn. Nothing's fine, I'm torn. You know what I'm talking about. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Let's go. You're killing me, Small. Let's go. John Amenta had the right idea. So Paul wins based on having the Road Warrior on his list. But Timothy Williams said, I have to go with Wayne simply for Demolition Man. I did not expect that to be popular. I started following the Phoenix Suns and then the NBA solely because of Simon, Simon Phoenix, Phoenix in what up? 93. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Likewise, Stephen Burns said, Wayne had to be with Demolition Man. I watched that for the 2021 Scavenger Hunt as my rewatch, a childhood favorite. Absolutely love I had that no idea. I thought everyone hated that film. There you go. Uh, and Joy Davidson, top little page of the show, said, Wayne's list overall is way more my speed, plus the fifth element is great. Wrong! <laughs> Bollocks. Surprise, anyway. Wayne had Waterworld, but not the Postman, though. Oh, see, the Postman was very long. <laughs> so, okay, all right, fair long enough. As those nuts. There's nuts. Uh, Catherine Guard said, Paul for What Happened to Monday and Snowpiercer. Told you I vote for you when appropriate. There you go, Paul. Hey. See? So, well done. You've just triumphed yet again. Maybe the listeners will throw me a bone at some particular point. But bone, unlikely, Paul, everyone. Very, 
please. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. That's it for this week's very short recount. This is going to be a hell of a ride. I think the top 10 on life list movie heroes are on the side of this music cue. is the subject of this week's countdown and uh, well we did not as acknowledged discuss the parameters this could be let's just see how it goes anyway I need to get my screen up so please take us away what is your number 10 cool so my number 10 does everyone remember Finch from American Pie (laughs) (laughs) one of the listeners did this and I'm like I'm not sure that's getting the spirit of this brief. But oh, apparently it, is. it is. Let me tell you why, <laughs> all right? So, ladies and gentlemen, I have some fondness for this character. Finch, if you don't remember him, he's the American Pie character who wore blazers and suits in high school when no one else did. I don't understand why you have any affinity exactly. at all. Exactly. He likes to bang older women and everyone gives I him shit. I don't understand <laughs> why you would have any affinity at all. What Paul is alluding to is that I was the guy in high school who wore sports coats everywhere. I was the guy who got the heat for it, and uh, it turns out I, I like older women. Now, oh yeah, and it's business time. <laughs> okay, you have to. That just sounds like you're saying it live. That was a button that Paul pressed because fuckwit has a fucking motherfucking like soundboard of shit that just sounds normal. Anyway, for the record, Finch also takes shit breaks, which means that in lieu of taking a shit at school, he actually leaves the campus, goes home, takes a shit, comes back. Now I don't this do makes that. Complete sense to me. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> well, I don't do that, but I have a cousin who shit breaks, and he's totally listening. I'm not going to say him by name, but Ooh. you know who you are, all right? Oh, well, um, now I'm going to have to play the uh, guessing game. Yeah, you will. You will. You will. Now, one time he was out to friends at dinner, just out of interest, and he discovered he needed to take a wicked shit. I'll right? tell you who it's not. Well, Paul. Oh! I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not saying anything. Okay. But here's what happened, right? He felt that the restroom. <laughs> He goes, he re- the restaurant restroom situation would not offer the sufficient facility or comfort he needed to take a shit How of this magnitude. Such a nasty man be so worried about such things. Dude, what he did was he said, he said, well, I'm not saying it's Ash, first of all. <laughs> but he said, God damn. To his friends, which they were girls in the group, he's like, yo, I gotta take a fucking monstrous shit. <laughs> and we're about, like, well, you figured it out. It's 17 minutes from home, all right? So where y'all guys going after dinner? Oh, we're gonna hit this bar. Sweet. I'm gonna go home. See you in 35, I'm gonna take uh, this 40. shit exactly. I'm gonna punch it back out. And they're like, the girls are like, well, you do what you gotta do. <laughs> which, frankly, I find awesome, okay? But that aside, now Finch, he was initially the. Lucer that that Stifler gave shit to, and he was he he like shit break. It's right, and he talked about, and you know, he's like, you know, he's talking about the Jews free ficus and things like that. Okay, so he was actually very, very unlikely to be like the the hero of the film was probably Oz in terms of getting ass in terms of the show. He was the best looking guy, that type of thing. The unlikeliest guy was Finch, and in the end, he's the one. Who put a load in Stifler's mom? <laughs> so it's in the end was he? He was the hero, right? He may have been the only. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's the hero, man. Think about it. All right. Stifler's mom has got it going on. No, For the record, she no, didn't. Have no, it going she didn't. On. She didn't. She Is that Jennifer Coolidge? I can't yeah, remember. it is. Yeah. And and look, at the time, because of the context of the film, you might go, "Oh yeah, you know." But it, and, and in real life, you might make that call. But um, essentially, the point is for the film itself. He was, in fact, the hero, Paul. Or at least a hero, where before you would never have thought so. So that's my number 10. Number 10 is Bizarre. the shit break, or sure. Finch from American Pie. Oh, you've just got your You see how this show's going to go, Paul? where this is going to go. You my, see? my number 10. 
uh, is someone a bit more traditional. I think we can all agree it is Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean, colon, The Curse (laughs) of the Black Pearl. Yeah, look, I will admit... I mean, look, by virtue of it being Johnny Depp and him being the lead, you might think that, but because he was such a tool... All the way through the show. Well, that's right. But I think that's, his performance is what sells him Absolutely. as being completely unlikely. How is this guy who who is complete? He's a drunkard. He's completely useless. He's never managed to captain a, a ship successfully. And he's funny. Yet he's clever and funny and lies his way through it and eventually ends up pretty much saving the world and certainly the people that he cares about despite all of this. Do you think, Paul, that the reason he was the hero was the surprise ending, which, spoilers, three, two, one, he's dead. Yeah. Right? From a film 19 years ago. Yeah. He was, uh, and then you see him in the moonlight, and he's got the skull face or whatever, and like the whole movie, he was actually one of the undead, but you never knew. Is that what made him the hero, or was it that he was heroic in saving the well, motherfuckers? Yeah, well, he tried to save, or he did save, I believe. The chick? Kira Kira Knightley Knightley. in in the early moment and almost gets hung for it and then manages to get away with his excellent Keith Richards impersonation version thereof. And, you know, we also need to acknowledge how much of a hero he's been in real life, which is what snuck him onto (laughs) (laughs) Footnote. Um, I am joking. I have no idea. Fuck off. Let's let's just do it. Let's do it, all right? I was once involved with a girl, a Canadian girl, who, shall we say she's a militant left-winger? I thought you were going to say you're an Eskimo brother with Johnny Depp for a second. Then I was like, holy shit. If that happened, there would be a whole podcast about that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's uh, Wiener, bro- Wiener Cousins, we say sometimes. <laughs> From the TV show The League, they call it Eskimo. Eskimo brothers. Okay, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. She had put this post up about, I can't believe this happened to Amber Heard. And I'm like, what? Doesn't all of the internet agree that she's a wench? Anyway, I went, what, what do you mean about Amber Heard? She goes, haven't you heard? I'm like, yeah, he won the trial. It was great. Everyone's happy. She was lying. It's been proven she was lying. Ba, 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 ba. Her like, story don't stack up. Exactly. She comes back to me. Well, shit, I didn't know you were like this. I'm like, like what? And then that's the thing. The whole thing was because I disagreed with that shit. It didn't work out. And I'm a complete bastard. So you see, Paul, it's all shit. Well, sometimes it's a roundabout way to get to the right conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately... You're I mean, a complete bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, along those lines, I've always still laughed at the joke, Kira twice nightly. Yes. <laughs> so there you yeah. are. <laughs> Big shout out to the uh, Open All Powers Boys uh, podcast. It doesn't exist anymore. Where I heard that one. Maybe piss Very myself good. laughing. Very good stuff. Can I, can I give a bit of a shout out to another podcast? Bring it. Here's a great contrarians joke. So John Snow's. Yep, yep, yep. A.K. Julio is a listener to the show. Julio, shout out to you. What up, Jay? His co-host, Alex... Don't know if he listens very often. I think he's a member of the Facebook listening community. That, that's fine. Obviously, we don't require this. He made an excellent, excellent joke recently about the first action hero when they were doing the last action hero. They were All right, covering let's go. That let's film. go. I want to hear it. Basically, positing that the Cary Grant was the first action hero because he ran in North by Northwest. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's it. Maybe piss myself. Back in the fifties, you just had to run, and you were an action hero. Man, back in the fifties, you didn't have to be cut at all to be a muscular no. man. You could be a fat fuck with some shoulders, and you're muscular. Made me laugh a lot. So uh, shout out to the Contrarian Boys. Check out their show. All right, that's it. That's one number 10. <laughs> Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean, Colin, The Curse of the Black Pearl. I know exactly what kind of show this is going to be. All right. <laughs> <laughs> My number nine is an odd favorite of mine. It's called Behind Enemy Lines. <laughs> <laughs> and the this hero... Is the this is where I guess the hero here. is Owen Wilson. But also, wow. this is part of the casting, I think. Which gets this one over the line, Agree. Now, here's what happens, everyone. It's about a U.S. Navy helicopter pilot. His name is Chris Burnett. He's part of the NATO, whatever. Doesn't matter. Point is, him and his co-pilot, they're in a jet, and they crash behind enemy lines in Yugoslavia, for exact. And what happens is, um, because the the, the pilot is the cool guy, 
and he is the goose. He's the guy in the back. He's like <laughs> the, the navigator guy, all right? And so they go down. He ejects. The pilot doesn't. pilot gets captured. And then, capped, all right? And then the whole movie is him trying to get through behind enemy lines and get picked up by Gene Hackman, right? Oh, sorry. Gene Hackman's crew. He's the, he's the general. Yep. The whole film, I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. Because how is Owen Wilson going to be like busting cap? And it's a lot of slow mo action scenes, firing, jumping over shit. Is there any? Is there any slow mo scene where he goes, "Wow"? Sadly, no. <laughs> <laughs> but he does do the Owen Wilson is like, "Hey, boots still with you, boy?" They were tied on, sir. He's doing that shit, okay? So despite all of that, I actually enjoyed it. It's actually a pretty good film. It's alright. I watched it once. Don't remember. You know what's cool about it, right? Uh, when the missile hits the a fighter jet. They actually have this sequence that goes maybe for about two seconds, but in those two seconds, they show the twenty-seven things that happen to a to a to a jet when you get hit by, hit by a missile. And it's like, oh shit! Something very cool. Hmm. So yeah, surprisingly cool. Behind enemy lines. Fair enough. Can't can't knock that one. That seems on brief. My number nine is also very odd and a film I've never ever mentioned on the show before. It is the most rewatched film in my house in the last nine years. Uh-huh. I.e., the length of time that my daughter has been alive. It is Matilda from 1996, and it is the titular character Matilda Wormwood. Really? Based on a Roald Dahl novel. Oh, yeah. Roald Dahl, yeah. Yep. She is a genius little girl who's mm-hmm. brought up by her adoptive foster parents, played by Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman, who don't give a fuck about her and completely neglect her and whatever else. Really? But she's still incredibly, incredibly intelligent. They send her to this piece of shit awful school, which is this tyrannical principal, Agatha Trunchbull who's exactly as she sounds Mm -hmm. and is horrendous and awful and tortures the kids. Basically, it's borderline. I mean, it's absolutely child abuse, but this is from Roald Dahl, someone who kills kids. Oh, yeah. I used to read this shit when I was a kid. Anyway, she develops telekinesis and psychokinetic powers and starts to use these back against her to to scare her away from no longer being the horrendous, awful antagonist of the film. And, of course, she manages to succeed and uh, wins the day. And hooray. And then she gets adopted by her lovely teacher Miss Honey by the end of the movie. I'm guessing that describing this film as zapped but without titties, <laughs> it would be wrong. <laughs> Remember Zapped, Paul? The views that was a big thing in 1980. Of Wainaruzu do not correlate <laughs> with the views of Paul Pazula nor the Countdown Movie yeah, Activities podcast. Here, uh, Matilda. Okay, haven't Matilda, seen it, of course. Yeah, that's pl- and she's played by... Mara Wilson, who you would recognize instantaneously. I actually know. If you saw her. I, I know the, the, the video cover. I know the girl in there. So, yeah, cool. Um, all right, excellent. Yeah, nice my daughter one. loves this movie. That's cool. She absolutely loves it. It's like, probably quite empowering. Yeah. If I had telekinesis, Paul, man, everyone could just kiss my ass. Back to Zapped. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> okay. My number eight is an old favorite of mine, and it is what I can I consider one of the classic. Films of this actor, even though it's a PG film, it's called The Golden Child. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. All right, now let me tell you about Eddie Murphy, everyone. As if you didn't know, <laughs> all right. That whole period where he was doing even these films, the Beverly Hills Cops, and so on. Again, you're going kind of casting here, right? No, because no? let me tell you. Well, his character in the film is yeah, his character. In the, film, the movie is about this, right? This Tibetan boy who's the mystical golden child. He gets kidnapped by uh, the evil Sardo Numsa, who is in fact Ty- Tywin Lannister, uh, Charles Dance. He's like, the, the of course, humankind's fate hangs in the balance. On the other side of the world in Los Angeles, you've got like this uh, chick. She's a priestess. She seeks the, the kid, the chosen one, to protect him. And Eddie Murphy is like a motherfucking social worker. 
He's a social worker who just looks after kids and looks after and and looks at and, and finds lost kids. So a bit of a private detective slash social worker. He wears a leather hat which looks like a bit like it's just weird. Um, and although he's a little bit cool because he's Eddie Murphy in the eighties, he is a social worker. I'm going to out Eddie Murphy here. Bring it. You know that bit in Delirious. Yeah. Sorry, tangent. Please, Tangent City. This is what this movie show is. Where he does the whole. How old are you, kid? Like, yeah. There's, like, there's really twelve year old kid or some shit in, in his in show. Delirious. Yep. Twelve. Okay, I'm going to tell you a joke. You can tell your friends. I remember this joke. PG, it's it's absolutely fine. And he was saying, you all fucked up. You're going to go to school tomorrow and say yep. some fucked up shit, yep. right? Yep. So here's one you can actually say, you know, the bear and the rabbit in the woods. Yep. And the bear says to the rabbit, does you have a problem with shit sticking to your fur? And the rabbit says no. So then the and bear, so the bear wipes, wipes his ass with the, the rabbit. rabbit. Right. It's totally stolen from Friday the 13th Part 2. Is it? Yep. That did, whole joke, that whole fucking thing is word for word in Friday the 13th Part 2. Did they come up before Delirious? Yeah. Five years before. Uh, three years before. Whoa! Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Now, in okay, look, that's a big surprise to me because Delirious was a big part of my childhood. I had never seen anything as rude and funny. Like I realized jokes do the rounds, but I was just I was shocked rewatching Friday the Thirteenth Part Two for a spot on binge movies coming up later in the year, where I was like, "Fucking, I just ripped off Eddie Murphy's just stealing fucking content from Friday the Thirteenth. To be fair, he was improvising that bit because he was talking to a kid. Yeah. I'll tell you a joke you can tell you people. All right, but oh, I'm surprised. But yeah. you know, back to him here. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Like this is odd, <laughs> Eddie Murphy. This is pre... No, this is post Beverly Hills Cop, though. Uh, what? Yes, but oh. he wasn't playing a hero, Paul. He was playing a social worker. And you know, social workers... Yeah. Hence, he's an unlikely hero. Huh? Uh, okay, the character. I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? And this is why... Yep, yep. Um, yeah, it's like... it's Social cool. workers can be heroes, ladies and gentlemen. We just want to acknowledge <laughs> that. Social workers are heroes, Paul. But in a movie context, you wouldn't expect him to end the film by fighting a giant seat wall CGI, stop motion dragon, dragon bone thing, and like it stabs him in it. The fucking medallion he's got like wards it off, and then he becomes cool and shit. So that was why I liked him. Fair but enough. also, Eddie Murphy. Fair enough. Tangent number two. Go on. Charles Dance in Alien 3, genius casting. What People like to Alien shit 3? on that movie. He's a good guy in that film. Was he's he the, the guy that she came the, and fucked him? He's, yeah, she, he's the doctor. That was him? Yeah. Shit. Like, he's bad in every fucking movie. He's an, he's the villain in everything, not just, obviously, Game of Thrones. I remember the scene where she turns Last up. Last action as, hero? Yeah, because you have to shave your head. And she's yep. like, boom. And she, goes, she just gets naked. And he's like, what up? Right? And he's like trying to like play it off. And I'm stuff not a good and person. Da, 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 da. And then he gets his head chomped on by the alien. Yeah. Dies very early in that movie. Are you an apologist for this film? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Alien 3, I am a, a fan. Yes, I'm a fan. I, I get it. I get it. Right. Back then, chicks being bald was unusual. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with this world? Women being bald. <laughs> right, one of our eight is also a childhood fave. And I mentioned a lot on the show, but not in this context. So I think it's okay. Go on. Major League. I can take my... And I almost put this as my number one because I'm like, it's the entire fucking film. They're all fucking unlikely heroes. Well, they're underdogs. So yeah, mm-hmm. but well, again, what you're saying here is because I'm ruling this one out by choosing this one here for a future countdown that's coming. That's fine. I've just realised <laughs> that maybe that count is too similar to this one. <laughs> Shit, maybe I have to push Don't it forward. Don't worry, we can play jazz with the schedule too. But I'm going to go with the manager, James Gammon's Lou Brown. Uh, he was the big guy heavy who set dude with, on the, with the awesome with mustache. The and when Wild Thing walks in and thinks he's been cut. And I understand what you've done, you've done. But every time I pitch against your team, I'm going to stick it up. Your fucking ass! Yeah, it throws the it. ball. That's great, son. Only problem is I didn't catch you. Yeah. That guy. I think someone's having fun I'm with fun you. fun with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, if this... Enough of this old label shit. <laughs> because he's the guy that comes up with the thing that brings them all together. He's the one that says, fuck the owner who wants the team to lose so she can sell off 
as an expansion team somewhere That's else right. and make, make bank and get away with it. And not PC, I realized in 2022. <laughs> it was the 80s? It was the 80s, 89, just in fact. So Lots of stuff happened in the Where 80s, gets this car, this big cardboard cutout. Oh, I forgot of her, about this. Yeah. Basically, in, I mean, she's not naked, she's got pasties on her nipples and, and a G string on, but. A life-size cutout of her. And every win, they're going to peel a piece of her yep, dress yep, away yep. over the top to reveal that. And that is what galvanized <laughs> the team. What an unlikely hero. Lou Brown, you are the manager of the movies. You are my number eight unlikeliest hero. Now, two things. One, if this guy's a hero, <laughs> so is Finch. <laughs> Secondly, Paul's championing a man who uh, puts... Uh, <laughs> Naked women no, border cutouts. I'm championing a man who can bring a bunch of never has beens or sorry, uh, has beens and never will be together to win their division. You know what the most heroic thing he did in this film was? When what? Corbin Burnson comes up to him and says, Hey, listen, uh, according to this contract, and he has this contract. Oh, he pisses hand. on it. Yeah, he goes, I'm not supposed to do any calisthenics. I don't. And he just grabs it, throws it on the floor, whips his dick up. That is a great moment. But he looks at Corbin Burnson while he's pissing. Yep. That's fucking gangster. <laughs> It's a brilliant, brilliant character and perfectly played by James Gammon. Uh, rest in peace. Nice one, nice one. Uh, my number seven is probably a favourite T to the C film of mine, but of course he's not the unlikely hero, Paul. It's his co-star, Collateral. I'm talking about ah. Jamie Foxx, who plays... Now, here's the thing, right? Before this, Jamie Foxx was... Um, Great, I've got a song now I can use. Considered, Yeah, considered like... Still cool and all that sort of stuff. But Keep when you look at him, is there must be some song shit that Paul thought about that I did not. So Real he's <laughs> it's it's about uh, this long uh, after a long day, LA taxi driver Max is about to knock off, and then this sharp suited yeah. motherfucker Vincent offers him six hundred bucks. Excellent call to make five stops. Sounds good till Vincent turns out to be a hitman, a merciless one, and each of the stops involves a hit. So as the night goes on, Max starts to wonder if he'll live to see the sunrise. But more importantly, and he wouldn't like. There's no way if you're Max in that situation, you, you get know, killed at the end of that. I'm job. not getting out of this, so I've got to make my move at some point. Exactly, which is why it's such a good film. And also, he's actually made the way they present him. He sits in the cab. He's got glasses on. He's wearing a cardigan, and he actually is on purpose yeah, looking yeah, he old. He still manages to to form a connection with Yada Pinkett Smith. Well, first of all, it's <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> and secondly, she's always Yada to me. <laughs> Yada, oh, yada, 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 yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, and he didn't get slapped <laughs> by by Will Smith, and all kinds of shit happened, right? So, like, we, but that's what the thing is. He was presented as this old motherfucker, kind of, right? No, it's, it's... look, once you wear glasses in a film, Paul, you're old. Hey, how dare you? Hey, how dare you? In a film, you, cracker. Sir. In a film. <laughs> so that's why he, don't he, wear cardigans, though. No, just to be clear. To be fair, I love cardigans. So <laughs> uh, there's a scene in Ironic the film from the sports jacket guy. <laughs> Any outerwear. He actually is talking. Uh, he's he's forced by Vincent to go into a nightclub and talk to the bad guys, right? And there's a moment where they're trying to fuck on him, and he just decides to turn it on and say, because they put a gun on his face, and you better get that fucking gun out of my face before I stick it up your boy's ass like this. And it was just boom, and they actually stopped because he had to act like a hitman because he had to pretend to be Vincent, and that's where he had his moment. And I was like, mm, this is the shit. Now and this guy's and later cool. on, of course he. Killed boom, Vincent. boom, boom, yeah. But that was, that was, how good was fucking Collateral? Collateral was a great film. Michael Mann in his long gone heyday, unfortunately. All right, my number seven is a bit more comedic. This one comes from Edgar Wright. Uh, I can't imagine what this one is. This is Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz! I thought you were going to go PC Danny Butterman, which apparently Nick Frost had the choice of naming the character of the film and he decided to pick a name which was as hobbity as could be possible. Butterman. <laughs> yeah. Butterman. Danny Butterman. 
Now here's a casting one, right? This is this is well, it's casting. Po- it's casting, but it's also his whole character in the in the film is have you ever <laughs> like he's just this little city cop who's got sorry a little village police officer. Wait, wait, which one are you talking about? Nick Frost? Or are you talking about no, Simon Pegg? No, not Simon Pegg. I'm talking about oh Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Oh yeah, yeah, that works. Yes, that works because yes. Simon Pegg's the hero of the whole no, movie. No, he is the hero yeah, of the yeah, film. Yeah. But here's his offsider who's like. Who eventually becomes a hero. This is a good call. This is actually a good call. Who's like, uh, his whole thing is he watches action films, Bad Boys. Bad Boys 2. Yep. And have you ever fired your gun in the air while going, ah! (laughs) Those were the two best bits of that film. That was really wicked. Is it true? There's a point in the man's head where if you shoot it, it will will explode. explode. (laughs) See, this is all good stuff. This is all good stuff. (laughs) Um, Have you ever dived sideways while firing two guns? No. (laughs) Have you ever dived sideways while firing one gun? No. (laughs) No, the best of all those is, do you ever cook any fools? (laughs) (laughs) And and then the best thing about this film, of which I will maintain, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are two of the greatest films ever made because everything that's set up in this plot Every line of dialogue pays off in one way. They're the most tightly woven and written films you could arguably ever see. Should we ever do the top 10 screenplays of all time? At least one. If we're only having one filmmaker, one, then sure. But these are two of the best scripts that ever made. Yeah, because every little point hit with you and oh you're the fan God. of each God. Yeah. If you're a fan of action films, Hot Fuzz hits for you harder. If you're a fan of horror films, zombie films in particular, Dawn of the Dead, sorry, Shaun of the Dead will hit with you Harder did did Edgar Wright write that as well? Yes. Yeah. And okay. Simon Pegg. They both they wrote they both wrote co wrote it together. Yeah, look, no small feat. But even to say to Nick Frost, oh, what do you want to call your character? Well, how about the most hobbity? Like that's genius. See, t- I don't know enough for Hobbit shit to say to make that sound hobbity. Like, oh, is that what? But I guess Danny like, Butterman. Danny Butterman. Yeah, I guess so. Proto Baggins. All right. All right. I well, get it. He gets to and he gets to do all the things he says. He gets to dive sideways or fire. He gets to fire his gun. That was the best thing. Arr. Yeah. You know, it's just it's brilliant. And he helped save the day along with Nicholas Angel. I think it was cool when, like, you know, you find out because at one moment you think he turns, he's actually, mm-hmm. oh no, you're not you too, and then it turns out he was actually just clueless and, and yes, dumb. exactly, good stuff. Because his stuff. father is, of course, the leader of that. But anyway, yeah, that's Hot Fuzz 2007's PC Danny Bottom ends up with a sergeant under Nicholas Angel, who is very high up by the time the film ends. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, my number six, folks, is possibly okay. Now this is a mix of the worst guy ever. And my favorite, perhaps, role of his. Okay. Steven Seagal in Executive Decision. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, everyone. In case you haven't seen Executive like Decision. Is, we're, we're damning him with faint. Not even damning him. We're giving him faint praise. I'm uncomfortable with this, Wayne. Yeah, but here's how it is. If well, you're we a real fan of the podcast now, you'll be upset with Wayne, too. Yeah. Th- again, everything defers to the show, Paul. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I may have personal opinions, but I'm going to say that in terms of an entry for this list... Executive Decision, if anyone doesn't know, because they're too young, it's a film about with Kurt Russell in the lead and Steven Seagal is billed as the second lead. But when ter- So it's when terrorists hijack this plane traveling from Greece to Washington and then like Kurt Russell and some special forces motherfuckers join forces. They have to somehow board this plane in midair by using some special shit and stealth fighters and crap like that before they go in and take out the terrorists. Now, again, Steven Seagal is second build, and we didn't know he was a cunt. We only <laughs> thought he was Back Steven Seagal. Back in the day, Seagal. we didn't. Yep. Exactly. Oh, executive decision. Great. Well, you know, whatever. 
he gets in there and, and there's a moment where, you know, there's some problem when they're all trying to board that plane through this this joined fucking stealth fighter that's on the bottom of the plane. And it's, oh no, we're not going to make it because some shit happened. You will. You will. And Steven Seagal sacrifices himself by closing the hatch. Not Steven Seagal. Whoever the I mean, you that was. character. Steven yeah. Seagal would not sacrifice himself for all the fucking money that's in the true. world. That's true. In fact, the plane would have crashed because his ass was so fat. Yep. That's what would have happened. <laughs> his name is Colonel Austin Travis. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and that's what happened. So the, this, to me, unlikely hero because not only I know he was supposed to be the second lead and the hero, but that move there, one, you didn't expect him to be gone in basically the first act of the film, and two, here is here's a counter. Yeah, top ten <laughs> unpredictable early deaths. Not bad. Spoiler city, but not bad. Oh, because we're not spoiling exactly, shit today. You're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Okay. That's not bad. That's not bad. But yeah, Steven Seagal an executive decision. I didn't expect him to be that heroic. And now that you know who Steven Seagal is, it's amazing he even signed this contract. You know what I'm saying? The story goes there had to be a lot of. And this is going to take yeah. away a little bit from your list. I'm sorry. But no, who cares? Or from your choice. If he's not seeing this show, go on. No. But <laughs> <laughs> the story goes they had to really massage his ego about this because he was once he signed on to the film, he was like, "You can't kill me here." Uh, what a, see this because that's this Steven Seagal some shit right to a here. fucking T. Yep. Right from what we know about him, he was like, mm, "I like this film. I think it's a great idea, but I really think it's me and Kurt Russell's character has to get on the plane on the plane, and then we go from there." So not John Leguizamo. Does it's he not? Him and him. Does, does he not read the script and then say, "Jerrine, like on, it's do, do you really? No, think, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, I know. And so I can't remember what the director and the director and the producers did to, yeah. to basically strong up, but they effectively convinced him. This will do your brain good to be the noble sacrificey. This will expand yeah, you. Like a motherfucker. Yeah. Of course they would. You are the hero. I think from vague memory, this is the absolute discussion they had. And they've gone on record as saying, you are the absolute hero of this film. If not for you, nothing else can happen. Yeah. You are the one that makes the difference here. Not Kurt Russell, who manages to work it out on the plane. Not John Guziamo with his bits and pieces. Not Oliver Platt as well. Mm-hmm. No, it's you. You are the hero here. So you need to make sure you understand that. Because otherwise we wouldn't ask it of anyone else. We wouldn't ask of those three. They couldn't do it. You are the one. Yeah, that's what they would have had to do. <laughs> and he would have bought it as well. That's the thing. Imagine being idiot. a producer in Hollywood. Oh, my God. Good God. Uh, so yes, Steven Seagal, executive decision. Number He's six. A prick, but this was an unexpected thing. My number six is also a 90s action film. It's from The Rock. It's Nicolas Cage's guitar, guitar strumming, Beatles-loving, biochemist Stanley Goodspeed. Stanley Goodspeed. Yeah. The FBI's top chemical weapons guy who they hired to come in to send over to Alcatraz Island to break in with John Mason, the actual action hero of this movie, mm-hmm. and accompany him so that he can decommission slash destroy the chemical weapons that the bad guys have pointed at the rest of San Francisco. Uh, yeah, very clean choice. Uh, him being a, a chemical super freak and starting the movie by shooting a dart gun, you know, that kind of thing. And yes, he bulked up for the role or cut up for the no, role. I don't think he cut up for this one. I think he cut up for Con Air. No, he bulked up for Con Air, but he, there's a story that uh, in, in this film, um, he actually said to whoever the director was, this one? Uh, Michael Bay? Michael Bay, yeah. He said, hey, I've been working out and I really want to do a shirtless scene. And he's like, well, we don't have one in the fucking thing. And apparently one day he just turns up in a robe. And Michael Bay goes, all right. And that's when they shoot the guitar scene, okay? So that's, that sounds like Nicolas Cage to me. But also, I think it's important to point out that many people think this film is a sequel to James Bond. Yeah. And Sean Connery is, in fact, James Bond, but he's going under the term... Uh, the, John Mason. John Mason. Uh, Mason Storm? John or John Mason? That's what I was using for. Uh, okay. So, we've yeah. Done, no, we've done right. that. I'm sure we've done that episode a long time ago. I'm sure we have. Top 10, like... Uh, theories. Fan uh, theories. Yeah, fan theories. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, good call. Good call. By the way, The Rock is still a great fucking movie. The Rock is still fantastic. It's back when Michael Bay wasn't Michael Bay. 
Yeah, I haven't rewatched it again in the year I've rewatched Con Air. I heard a rumor that the the Michael Bay movie Thirteen Days with John Krasinski is good. Have you ever rumor? Seen it? I told you it was good. Did you? Yeah. Oh, so I liked I got- it. Oh, nice one. All right, I'm going to check that shit out. It's still Michael Bay, full of Michael Bayism, full of patriotism and whatever else. But but was it fun? Yeah. All right. No, no, no. I felt I found it quite oh, tense. good. Yeah, tense, good. Harrowing tense. even at times. Hell. All right. Nice to work. Excellent work, man. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Good one. All right. My number five. May surprise you, Paul. Mm-hmm. It is the character Sadness from Inside Out. Oh, yeah. Okay. I saw that on a, on a high list on a one online. Yep. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, everyone. If you've not seen Inside Out, you absolutely should for your own just understanding humanity. If I had a kid, I would show this movie to that kid. I'm is not. Sadness of a hero or is yeah, it Bing Bong? No, Harriet Sarah is, is the unlikely hero. I'll tell you why. Everyone, the show is about, the movie is about uh, Riley, who's a, who's a happy, like, 11 year old Midwestern girl, but her world turns out up, upside down when she and her parents move to San Francisco, and the whole movie takes place in her head. Riley's emotions are joy, sadness, fucking anger, fear, and disgust, okay? And what happens is that they all sort of fight with each other, but by virtue of that, you understand how humanity and basically psychology kind of works. Simplistically, sure. But I hated sadness because sadness makes Riley sad by... (laughs) Funny that. Yeah, by touching happy memories and making them sad. And I was like, sadness, you prick! Why did you make that happy memory sad by touching it with your stupid turtleneck blue-faced four-eyed ass, right? Didn't like her at all. Very unlikely. But then at the end of the film, Joy tries to keep sadness away from touching all the core memories to make them sad, but you find out that sadness is actually an important part of Riley's mental health because making her memories sad is actually what makes her miss her parents and connect with her feelings, which ultimately gets her to make the right decision and ultimately resolves her issues, which ends up making her happy. So sadness was an unlikely hero because I hated her at the start. But then it became very important and they had to actually use her. She was actually essential to making Riley do the right thing by not running away. There you go. Okay. You know, uh, I see where you're coming it from. It was a big thing for me. And by the way, I do love... I actually watched quite a bit of it. <laughs> just to, just to It's get... unusual to hear, to hear you talk about an animated film, Wayne, which Completely. I'm refreshed by and happy by to hear. I and think this is the one of the best things. Disney or Pixar? Pixar. Well, Pixar. Both. Probably, like, in terms of usefulness, this is useful for adults, this fucking film. So there you go. No arguments. It, it is a good film. Pixar have lost their way, I think, in recent years in terms of no more their inside outs. resonating output. Yeah, but they got that cat character in uh, late years. So. <laughs> <laughs> yum, 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 yum. It's just classy. <laughs> my number five is my other young female character on my list. It is Hit Girl from Kick Ass. Yeah, that's good. Because you don't think she'd be able to kick that much ass. Oh, 12 year old girl. Okay, yeah, she's trained by his link by number six, Nicholas Cage, mm-hmm. Big Daddy, Big or whatever Daddy. his name is. That was his name. On, in the show and in the film. Sorry. Fucking hell. <laughs> and she just wipes the floor with everyone and is so brutal and extreme about it which is what really sells me because you could say kick ass himself Aaron Taylor Johnson's character you could but she's could be the, he's, the, he's the also a fine choice in this both fit the brief yeah. I feel but this is the one that made more of an impact who do you remember when you think about kick ass totally. I remember Hit Girl and the way that she pretty spectacularly just wipes the floor with adult after adult with her and also with her potty mouth McLovin doesn't get a look in um, <laughs> he's not a hero no you're right he's a villain but he starts to be a hero to start with. No, what's cool about her is in that scene in the library or wherever it was where she's taking all those guys out, that scene, where that move where she throws like a line and wraps around a gunman's hand, then pulls it and he makes him shoot himself in the head. <laughs> That's just class, man. Matthew Vaughn, right? 
Yes. Yeah, awesome see, that guy's the man. All right. My number four, everyone, is Doc Holiday in Tombstone. Val Kilmer's Doc Holiday. Oh, you're daisy if you if do. Daisy if you do. I'm your Huckleberry. Now, Doc Holiday is presented in the film as something of a lush who is dying of tuberculosis, if I'm not mistaken. And he's actually sickly. He's actually made up to look kind of gray. And he's like, yo, and he's drinking the whole time. And the doctor's like, you can't fuck your wife. And he's like, get out of my face. And shit like that, right? But of course, the best, coolest bit ever is that you're waiting for Johnny Ringo, who has challenged Wyatt Earp, the actual hero of the film, to a shootout. And Dark Holiday gets there first. Basically, he was faking being that sick the whole time. Goes through this whole thing, this, the, and boom, takes him out. He's faster than Johnny Ringo, who's purportedly the fastest girl in the West. Then things go south. But wasn't, wasn't Johnny Ringo scared of him? Johnny Ringo uh, was my, pissed off with him. What happened was there. My, my the, beef's not with you. you know, he said, he said, yeah, well, I, I was just joking about that. Yeah. I wasn't. Yep. So, in fact, Johnny Ringo wasn't scared of him. He was trying to kill Wyatt Earp. But then when he realized that, that Doc Holliday was serious about fucking with him, his face changes. And Michael Bean says that's his favorite performance of his own in his career. Because they, ah. they went the whole day and actually did that scene while they were off. Well, Kurt Russell camera. was directing it because yeah, Kurt Russell George was directing. P. Cosmatos was, was sitting back and knocking it. back some Cosmopolitans. <laughs> Cosmatos. <laughs> did you just come up with that? I did. Well done. Well done. Well done. Uh, but yes, no, the, the I don't know. I think everyone's favorite character from it is this. Oh, for sure. But probably because you weren't expecting him to be a badass all the time. Hence, an unlikely... I, don't, I just don't... There's don't a few groups of people in the world that I just don't understand. Like what? People who condemn any form of alternate sexuality as not being okay. And sure. We need to convert. Flat earthers. Flat earthers, <laughs> that would be another one. And then the third would be people who don't appreciate Tombstone for being a good Western. I understand if you don't like Westerns, you is, don't like Tombstone. Is there some discussion about this? But, oh, there's some small group of people out there like, fucking Tombstone's stupid because it changes the way things happen. Idiots. Fuck off. It's, Idiots. It's, it's not purporting to be inaccurate based on a true story. It's a movie. Slash, it's a dramatization. Uh, uh, yes. Although in real life, Wyatt Earp has never been grazed by a bullet and up till he died. There you go. Amazing, right? There, there you go. You go. There you go. Ah, blessed. That is for sure. My number four is what you thought I was going to come up with before. It is Sean from <laughs> Sean of the ah. Dead. Of course, he had to be on the list. I know that's two Edgar Wright films. Don't care. He, if there was a picture of unlikely heroes in the handbook, I reckon he'd be pretty close to having it right there because he's a bloke who's he's well intentioned enough. He's not a bad guy. But he's fucking clueless. He's a drone who's going through his days. He's in stuck in as a senior salesman, but doesn't have any managerial even cloud, experience yes. or a cloud. He just has to do what his boss tells him to do. And then he tells the young, no one respects him. And he can't honest, even, yeah. not satisfy his girlfriend, but he doesn't even realize his girlfriend is unhappy in their relationship because he's so fucking clueless. But then by the end of this film, he has rallied his group of friends including his girlfriend around to potentially try to survive what would have absolutely assuredly killed them all, got them together, galvanized them, has a plan, sets out to put it in place. Yes, it goes wrong, mostly not because of him, mostly because of other people, but nevertheless, he manages to survive, to save his girlfriend and his relationship and comes out the unlikely hero slash winner. And if I'm not mistaken, he wears a shirt, a short sleeve shirt and a tie. Yeah, which is amazing. Which how he can pull that shit how off. Do, well, how? he's not pulling it off. The idea is that's making him look like a bag of dicks. And it well, does. He look still like wins despite that. I know. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> in my experience, that doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> okay. Very nice. Very nice. Yes, Sean of the Dead had to be there. Absolutely. Can I get any of you cancer drink? <laughs> <laughs> do you consider Nick Frost again here, but he's just an asshole in this film. No, he's it actually. He gets in the way. He's most annoying of the, time. the whole time, yep, I reckon, yep. right? And yeah, he has to actually die to be useful. So. 
All right. Uh, my number three, everyone, is... Well, I haven't got his actual character name here, but I know him as the Indian dad dude in <laughs> The Last of the Mohicans. <laughs> <laughs> his name's probably Sitting Furberger or something. I'm not sure. All right. <laughs> But let me tell you, folks, about The Last of the Mohicans. Now, the whole film is, a, is one of the odd Daniel Day-Lewis action films. Could you not have... When you were doing your research... <laughs> do you not could have extended to just Here's what happened, writing Paul. the fucking name Here's down. what happened, okay? I thought of this later. I went, ooh, we're going to put that in. And then you turned up. Okay, so... Uh, let me just... Okay, look, just to satisfy Paul his, Prickzula. his real name in real life is Russell Means, but I could be wrong on that. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Jesus! Oh goddamn! All right, uh, last of the Mohicans cast. Okay, okay, go. It's Chingachgook. Yeah, it's Chingachgook. So you can see why I left it out. I just said it. <laughs> Shut up, bitch! I know off the top of my head. It's I a did. played by Russell Means. Yes, it is indeed. All right, flip a table. Hooray! <laughs> okay, you be happy with that victory, <laughs> and I'll it's tell you. It's been a really <laughs> shit weekend for me. I have to say. <laughs> That's the highlight. <laughs> I'm glad I gave it to you. Um, all right, so last of the Mohicans, Daniel A. Lewis. He's a he's an uh, I want to say Indian. What are we saying here? Native American, Native American tribes yes, person. Yes, thank you for even though organizing he's white, shit. Thank you, even though he's white, and uh, he's traveling essentially with his brother and his father, and they're going to try and basically do some shit, save the tribe, and so on. They're uh, they're against the colonials and so on, and also against Wes Studi, who is a bad bad yes. uh, Native American dude, and he kills everyone and does shit, and he's fucked up. Okay. At the end of the film, where you're expecting Daniel Day Lewis yeah, to bust a cap in his ass. It's a good choice, other than the lack of fucking anything you it's did for it. <laughs> this Ching Jack guy, all right, who's the dad, the dad, the older guy, who's been relatively passive through the whole movie, he doesn't just take out Wes Studi in this wicked scene. He rolls into the frame and then busts a cap in his ass with his tomahawk and mm, soundly not a tomahawk, acquits himself. Tomahawk, it's this big fucking oh, it was thing. Like a sword, with yeah. It's got, yeah, it's an axe, wasn't it? It's yeah, like a big axe yeah, thing. It's hard to describe. I'm sure there is a name for it, but I don't yeah. know what it is. But he busts the shit up, and the whole thing is you're waiting during that scene. You're going, wow, this is an amazing fight scene. And I'm like, fuck off, bitch. <laughs> And you're waiting for Dan Day Lou to come in, but he doesn't do that. And like, that's the end of the scene. No, he does. He shoots people and stops them from killing his father from yeah, behind. Yeah, but the big scene is right here, no, Paulie. He, you know? Absolutely. Yep. And I remember we walked out of this film back in the day when we saw it saying, you know what was cool? What? It was his dad that took that motherfucker out. It wasn't him. That was unexpected or unlikely, if you will. Bubble. One of the greatest, I think, action sequences in history. So, like, complex for its time. Michael Mann again. Yeah. Michael Mann really was. The man. The man. Uh, go ahead. To say nothing of even Daniel Day Lewis, you could argue as Hawkeye was. It's uh, amazing he took unusual. this role. Yeah. It's amazing he took this role. Yep. Like this wasn't Abraham Lincoln or whatever, you know. So yeah, very nice, go. nice choice. My number four is Marty Mikalski, as played by Fran Kranz in The Cabin in the Woods. Well, the stoner who, in every other slasher horror film of any equation whatsoever has died, usually by the halfway mark and certainly by before the end of the, or the start of the first act. In this film, comes back, saves the final girl. Does he? From I death. did like this film and I can't remember the, the character, but that's only because I, I wiped more horror And movies. then the two of them are the ones that, you know, spoilers for a film which is now more than 10 years old, are follow the plans of the agency which is trying to sacrifice these humans to appease the god that if the god doesn't get appeased, will destroy the earth. With the horrors that they have accumulated, he managed to guide her through. And he's the only one really who's got morals. He's the only one who he keeps his head above water the whole time in this film. And yet, 
we're trained to believe he's a waste of space. Okay, ultimately, his actions end up bringing about the end of the world. But for no, noble, no, but he noble, heroed up. He heroed noble up before the reasons. End. Yeah, yeah. He, he was never going to kill his friend. He was never going to allow that to happen. He was not prepared to sacrifice himself either and fuck everyone. So, you know what's interesting yeah. here? The only movies where the stoner is the hero are stoner movies. And this is not a stoner movie. this is not a stoner movie. It's, so, a, it's a straight up horror satire, which is why he survived, of course. I know Joss Whedon and everything did this, but... Not that um, he survives, because they all die, but anyway. Yeah. Do you... Um, is this among your favorite horror films? Or is it that high? Is it... Yeah. Contemporary think, horror films? I think if we went top 20 horror films, this is there for me of all time. Yeah, even I liked it. So, yeah. Kevin says a lot. That's says right. a lot. All right, cool. Okay, my number two is quite a bit left field. Mm. Uh, and I shall now talk about like how I justify it, basically. I chose it because this is the most, definitely the, probably among the most unlikely unexpected heroes in film that I've ever seen for a few reasons. One, he's a very minor character in a movie which some have called the best movie of all time. Ooh. And B, you could overlook him quite easily, but the act of heroism is so unexpected. It elicited a cheer from the entire cinema in my screening. It is from The Dark Knight. And the character, his, he's actually identif- unidentified. He's a, what? He's, yeah. Wow. He's actually, he's, he's, it's portrayed by, by Tom Lister, who's a large African-American man with a sort of... Um, Do they bug, call him bugger. Tiny Lister? They call, they, call, they call him... Well, Ginty is his known name in the comics because he's actually represented in the comics. But what it is, it's like the scene in The Dark Knight where the Joker has the two fairies. Yep. And he says to Batman because they're fighting on a roof, each fairy has like a, a remote control. And basically before midnight... One fairy has to pull the trigger and it blows up the other fairy. Yep. And yep, the other fairy has the same thing. And if they don't do it by midnight, they both blow up. So it's like, oh, oh, everyone's freaking out. And it's like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Can we kill this other thing to save ourselves? Yada, yada, yada. And there's this tense moment. And everyone. One of them is all the convicts, right? The other one's all. Yes. Yeah. And that's this guy. And this guy comes up and everyone's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. This Ginty guy, his name, he comes up and walks up to the guy who's holding the remote, who's the captain of the. Takes it off him. Takes it off him and says, give it to me. You can tell people I stole it off you. And I'll do what you should have done 10 minutes ago. Wow. Then he picks it up. And then everyone's like, oh my God, oh my God. And he throws it out the fucking window. Yeah. Right? And everyone goes, whoa. And then he just sits down and that's it. Except the people who were on the boat who were like, fuck. No, yeah. The (laughs) cinema cheered. The people on the boat were like, you fucking prick. (laughs) Anyway, but that itself is this amazing scene, which I was like, yeah, that's as unlikely as fuck. Yep. So, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's brief. Well done. There you go. That's a good, good choice. My number two is a bit more profound in the sense of the character is definitely a character in the film. It's from the Suicide Squad last year. It's Polka Dot Man. David oh, shit. Dasma- that's a good one. That's Malchian? Yeah, Dasmalchian, yeah. Dasmalchian? Now, it's a spoiler. Okay, so I'm going to spoil the Suicide Squad from last year. There's the newest one on my list, so I can mm-hmm. understand why people wouldn't want to be spoiled. Just flip forward two minutes, please, if you are not inclined to want to know what happens in this movie. Here's the weirdest power of all time, and James Gunn has gone on record as saying, this is the dumbest DC character ever. Yeah. And basically, he vomits out or exudes acidic, multicolored dots based on his mother trying to get him to be a superhero by being infected with an interdimensional virus, mm-hmm. which doesn't work. And so, he either has to vomit them out or project them out of him. Otherwise, he, he dies. He's in huge pain or whatever else. So, in the big battle with Starro at the end, he's fighting and, and, and creating a really important sort of counterbalance and distraction. He gets killed through the course mm. of that battle. So sacrifice of ultimate sacrifice, ultimate, ultimate, a bit like Steven Seagal, mm. an executive <laughs> decision, which adds him and got him higher up my list. But what really got him here at number two was this. Unbeknownst to Gunn, Das Malchian felt a personal connection to the character because he had this, a skin condition called 
Vitiligio. Something. Vitiligio? Sure. For which he was bullied as a child and called polka dots. Really? Wow. This is the actor. Apparently. Huh. I actually, for some reason, I know a lot about David Desmolchin because he does a lot of, because he was in The Dark Knight as well. And all this I just think that's really cool that, so he just gets cast and he can tap into something and he really brings something to that role, which I think I really resonated with. Like, he's such a weird and out there dude, but you really feel for him by the end. And when he dies, I had that moment of, ah, oh, yeah, fucking hell, come on, film. Yeah, because the, uh, and the, the whole, the mother thing and then all yes. the girls look like his mom, that sort of thing. That's all down to James Gunn's style yes. and making it awesome. But yeah. But I think, a- it's his, I think it's his performance in this that now I understand where he comes from. He taps into this personal experience of being called you know, pimply and polka dotty and whatever the fuck he was called by his shit ass contemporary little kids when because kids are fuckwits. Yes, they are. Yep. They're cruel little bastards. Cruel. I was one. Yep. We were exactly. We've all been there. We've all know what it's like. You don't mm-hmm. think about your actions because you're a kid. Exactly. You don't know what it does to people. Mm-hmm. But there you are. Okay. Good call. Nice one. Uh, do we go? Well, yeah. Let's give on? a let's give a recap of our list ten through two and then reveal our number one. Wayne, what have you got? Okay, ten. Finch from American Pie. Nine. <laughs> behind enemy lines. Owen Wilson. Wow. Uh, eight. The Golden Child. Eddie Murphy's character. Seven, uh, the Jamie Foxx character in Collateral. Six, Steven Seagal in Executive Decision. <laughs> Five, Sadness from Inside Out. Four, Val Kilmer's Doc Holiday in Tombstone. Three, what's his name again, Paul? Chigachgook from <laughs> The Last of the Mohicans. This is the only episode where you know a name and can do it that I can't. <laughs> Fair. Number two was, uh, well, Ginty, we know, is his character in The Dark Knight. And my number one is a film that, again, in doing research for this, I couldn't find any enough clips online, so I just watched the whole movie again. It's Billy Bob Thornton's character in A Simple Plan. Ooh. You know this one? I do. Sam Raimi film. Sam Raimi film, okay. It's also so, about Bill Paxton, but I don't remember why he's the hero. Okay, so what happens is this film is about, um, it's it's set in this small town, this, this snowy-ass small town, where um, Bill Paxton, he's an upstanding local, he's got a brother, Billy Bob Thornton, named Jacob, who is a dim-witted sort of, he's, he's tapped, he's, tapped he's, he's a bit touched, okay? And uh, his wife is Bridget Fonda, and they've got their friend, and these three guys discover a crashed plane with two things in it, a dead pilot and a stash of over more than $4 million. And the whole movie is this total drama, and it's amazing, actually. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it's a bit boring. I watched it again, this is fucking spellbinding. Right, okay. And it's, you know, they were talking about how do we keep the money, this, that, whatever. Things go wrong. It becomes this horrible thing where people die and stuff because they're trying to cover their tracks and stuff. But what happens in this film is that this character, which is presented as someone who's just a complete loser and is not smart enough to do anything, they literally he's a liability because of his low intellect. There's one scene where they're trying to tease a confession out of the guy who's not the brother, who's actually being an asshole. And one, they don't show how to do it. They're trying to record him by actually doing a confession. But... Billy Bob Thornton's character, in a totally unexpected move, actually manages to get the confession out of him by presenting himself as stupid and they're acting out what a confession would look like. Really amazing. And then at the okay. end, towards the end of the film, he actually goes, things have gone south. You know, the, the sheriff who was with them got shot and killed by the guy who's looking for the money, all this sort of stuff. And the only way out of it, Bill Paxton is trying to say, okay, if I say I was over here when I shot the guy, this would happen. Literally, um, Jacob, Billy Bob Thornton goes, no, here's the way out of this. Shoot me. Shoot me and make it look like the bad guy did it. And that's how we get out of it. I'll make it easy on you. I won't look at you, Hank. But if we do it, you and your your wife and your new baby are going to be able to get this money and get out of it. And I'll just go down. And I don't want to be here anymore. I just don't want to be here anymore. Oh. I don't want to think about this. I know. 
And then the way he does it, he says, and if you don't do it, I'll do it myself and then we'll all be fucked. He puts a gun to his own head and says, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me, or I'll shoot myself. And Bill Pax, ah, boom, and he fucking kills him. So he gives his life on purpose like that. And he was the guy you expected to be the liability the whole time. And he actually got them out of it. A Simple Plan is an amazing show if you fucking haven't seen it, guys. You absolutely should. I do remember watching it again long time ago. Never once again since. So that was almost like watching the film again. Well, right, well played. Right. So well played. Okay, there you go. So that's my list. Polly, let's hear your nine to one. My number 10, ten Pirates of the Caribbean, Colin the Curse by Cur- Pearl, the Captain Jack Sparrow, Matilda from the aforementioned named Matilda, eight. Lou Brown from Major League, the manager of the team. Seven, PC Danny Butterman from Hot Fuzz. Butterman. Six, Stanley Goodspeed from The Rock. Five, Hit Girl from Kick-Ass. Four, Shaun of the Dead's Shaun, titular Shaun. Number three, Marty Mikalski's The Cabin from The Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. And number two, Polka Dot Man from The Suicide Squad. And finally, once again, Edgar Wright didn't realize I had three of them on his list. This is Scott Pilgrim. From the world. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, Michael Sarah, this is some casting in this decision, is the least likely action hero dude ever. That's true. That's true. He always plays that guy. He's always, oh yeah, the little guy talks like this. Uh, the uh-huh. only two times he's not played that is in where he played himself in This Is The End. Yes. And in Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, he's oddly gangster. I hated that fucking film. Did you? Fucking I like that. He's got the two cat dinnings. Anyway, the it's point the is... the shittest <laughs> other version of the perks of being a wallflower ever. So. Oh, I don't, I don't think I've seen that one. So there you go. Anyway. <laughs> All right, but this show. And yes. this one, he is so unlikely. He is such a fucking tool at the start of this film. He's got this girlfriend who's so into him, Knives. Nice, and then he happens to run into Ramona Flowers and decides he wants her. And so he, pr- he pursues her. While Footnote. Paul doesn't like this because he doesn't dig Mary Elizabeth Winstead for some weird reason. Yeah, I don't. Okay, I think I she's don't. gorgeous. <laughs> Even so, you shouldn't do what he does in the film, and, that, and the film makes that very, very clear. And then it turns out that Ramona has seven evil exes that he must defeat if he's ever to be with her. That's right, and one of them is Captain America. One of them is Captain Chris Evans. One of them is what Gideon. Who's the guy who plays Gideon? Uh, is Gideon, uh, what's his name? The, yeah, the, the big end boss. Jason Schwartz? Yes, Jason Schwartz, that's it. And so by the time he gets to there, having defeated all the others in some very entertaining and awesome ways, he has to acknowledge to Ramona and Knives that he's done the wrong thing by them both and played them off against, not even knowingly against each other, but he's pursuing them both. And when he does that, he wins the power of self-respect sword and he and Knives together battle Gideon with a little bit of help from Ramona and manage to defeat him, him being the big, huge end boss. This uh, this countdown is the top ten Edward <laughs> Edgar, Edgar Wright films. <laughs> Three of them, anyway. But fair enough, fair enough. Because that's a, obviously a very big theme in his. In that's his a life. good point. When I think about like Baby Driver, Baby Driver, same when thing. I think about like um, what's the other one he did? The last one we did, which I last night so yeah. Oh, that's heroin, I guess. But yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no difference. No difference. Gender is irrelevant. I've got two females on my list. Yeah, fair enough. I knew you would. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, uh, how good was Scott Pilgrim and how bad is it that it tanked at the box office? It sucks. Isn't that sucks. just weird? This is such an amazing film. Yeah, I don't own it on 4K yet. I almost bought it today. I was literally going, mm, I haven't watched it in a while. I should watch it on the best possible It transfer. amazes me that you do that. It amazes me that you go out and bought, buy a 4K just so you've got it so in case you want to watch it. Like it's, I know, this is me. I can probably life. watch it on, on, if not 4K, then certainly 1080p on one of the streaming services that I pay for but, but it uh, ain't no 4k baby yeah it's not like it's not just there yeah i get it i get it you want you pull like physical media there we are that's alice wayne any honorable mentions then to wrap up this week's countdown yeah i got some weird ones 
I had uh, George from Alien Nation, played by Inigo Montoya. Ah, right? um, okay. Attack the Block, the um, the 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 John Boyega. Yep. And Milton from Office Space, who's the fat guy, he Stephen burns, Root. Burns Stephen down Root. the business, yeah. right? Yeah, my stapler, that guy. So yep. yes, go on. I had just the one. Go on. The rat in Avengers Endgame. I was going to make that a the joke to start with. Yeah, my number ten, and then didn't do it. So I'm glad you went. So there. here's a question: convenient plot device or unlikely hero? <sighs> I'm going to say convenient plot. Yeah. <laughs> well, didn't, didn't make my list. All right, that's Alice. What about yours? Wrap up every episode of The Countdown with your feedback on the topic at hand in a segment that we call the Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. Kicking off this week's Pop 10 with the B Dizzle, Billy Dunham from the We Watch The Thing podcast. BD. Significant because I was on this week to talk about one of the greatest films of all time, The Thing. Ah. Billy had me on, so we did a big 40-minute breakdown of that film and just gushed all over it, and I forgot the name of a critical character. So you can laugh at me there, and you should listen to that show, so Billy will have you back one day. Nice one. Here's number three, T-800 in Terminator 2. So obviously Arnold That's being Arnold? bad to being good oh, in yeah, this yeah, film. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sean in Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. And Marge in Fargo. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stephen Croon says Sarah Connor in the Terminator. Sarah Connor. Was she a hero in the first one? Or was it Michael Bean? I guess she at the very end, she sort of rose up. You're terminated, fucker. Yeah, yeah. Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That one I'm not sure I agree with. They just, all I want to do... I completely is, disagree with that. All <laughs> I want to do is is basically do their history assignment. I don't think that's heroic at all. Nope, no do I. And that movie sucked. Sorry, so Steven, Sorry. <laughs> and Buffy and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Obviously the film version there. Daniel Lowe said, really struggled with this one, so I'll just go Captain Jack Sparrow, yes, Poe from Kung Fu Panda, and Snape from Harry Potter. Don't know, never seen those films. Yeah, I really should get to that. Jamie Davies said, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, sorry, Colon of the Black Pearl, Captain Jack Sparrow, number two, The Lady Killers, Louisa Wilberforce, haven't seen that movie. Is that the Tom Hanks movie, The Lady Killers? It was a remake, I think, but yeah. Ah, okay. And number one, Pitch Black's Riddick. (laughs) Really? I suppose he was a convict, so sure. Yeah, yeah, I see where he's coming from on that one. Stephen Burns said, Milton in office space. He saved yeah. them all by burning the building down all over a staple. Right. T-800 again in Terminator 2, turning the villain into the hero. The second movie was a stroke of genius. And Ralph and Wreck-It Ralph, his one skill is wrecking stuff, but he's the hero. Well, he was the one who created all the mess in the first place. Mm. Wreck-It Ralph. Matt Evans said, Bombshell, all three leading ladies in film and real life. Man, nice. Bombshell was the shit. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi, C-3PO. I believe they all think I'm some kind of god. Oh, yeah. And number okay. one, stand by me, Geordie. Suck my fat one, you cheap dine store hood. Oh, uh, with quote, the gun. Yes, unquote. I remember this. Chef Ben Randall from the In the Weeds podcast. So number three, the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. Number two, Neville Longbottom from Harry Potter. Number one, the rat that released Ant-Man in Avengers, <laughs> colon, Endgame. James Newman. I think first time James has contributed to the show. Thank you, sir. Lance from Pulp Fiction. Which one's Lance? Oh, is he Eric Stoltz? I think so. What did Lance do? Nothing. <laughs> Is that him? Please enlighten us. Okay. <laughs> Roger Dawn from Major League, for sure. Okay, that's Corbin Burnson. That's fine. He can. He doesn't. You know. I suppose he takes the hit in the hip. You know, yeah. Okay. He fine. doesn't try and because uh, he, he struck this fucker out. Yeah. Yeah. Knock this motherfucker. That's right. That's right. And Randy Quaid, Russell in Independence Day. That's a good choice. Nice. That is a good choice. Etienne Philion Survey said Scott Pilgrim in Scott Pilgrim as well. Word. Han Solo in Star Wars, the sequel owner who becomes a strain, entangled, sorry, in the Resistance, and the Seven Samurai from Seven Samurai. Okay. Jake Humphrey said, I'm doing a special object theme version today, highlighting the various things that our unlikely heroes use in their journey. Number one, the vacuum of space in Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I 
fucking hell. Ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> number two, a broken glass in Gerald's game. And number one, hydraulic press in the Terminator. <laughs> okay. Well the very okay. rare soundboard reaction, Jake, will play. Rare my ass. Smile Smarty, mate to us, said, okay, number three, Frog Brothers, Lost Boys, Alan and Edgar Frog, the Rambos of Vampire Hunting. Okay. Number two, Peter Vincent in Fright Night 985. He's really stuck on the fucking vampires here. Real name Herbert McCauley. Vampire Hunter in movies turned Vampire Hunter in real life. Overcoming his fears, he saves the day slash night. And Stu, what we do in the shadow, mild-mannered systems analyst who helped introduce the vampires to modern technology. Everyone likes Stu. Leading to him brokering peace between the vampires and werewolves. Stu's the goat. <laughs> I really don't remember that film. <laughs> And finally, top level page of the show, David Powell. Here's what he had to say. Number three, Marty Bukowski, Frank Ranch from the Cabin in the Woods. Babe Levy, Dustin Hoffman in Marathon Man. Oh, the yeah, that's a good never one. Never seen. And number one, Willow Ufgood, Warwick Davis in Willow. Sure, sure. Yep, that definitely, definitely fits the brief. And that is it for episode 384 of the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. We really, truly appreciate all who got back to us. We're sorry we didn't get to your feedback. It's fantastic to receive it. Wayne, right. what's happening next week on the show? Can't remember, fucker. <laughs> Hang on. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, check it out. So next week, we are going to do... We haven't quite got the title right yet, but it's the top 10 cringy sexy scenes in film. If there was a scene that was supposed to be sexy, but I did not get wood, that goes on the list. <laughs> <laughs> or I found it to be unconvincingly so. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> This is a good moment to mention the name of the term from the thing last week that we spoke about. What? Sounding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did everyone know that there's a practice among some, I guess, men, uh, or people with penises, shall we say, uh, where they enjoy inserting things inside mm. their fucking peen? Like, come on, man. That's the thing that should show to sever down your spine. If a doctor says catheter to you, as a man, typically you, 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 you cry. So, uh, yeah. it's weird that people do it for fun, and it's a weird world, and frankly, people, I know a lot of people like to give me shit for being uh, something of a deviant. I'm not ever doing that shit on purpose, people. <laughs> so, just, you know, it goes worse. But if he trips and falls on a little pole. <laughs> a very little pole pole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's the point, that if, if you've got a sounding scene in a mainstream film, Wayne will have that on his list. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> So we're not sure what that's going to yield, but we are following on from this week. Maybe this month's theme is be a bit wacky and a bit out there. We will <laughs> My whole life theme is like that, but sure. Okay. <laughs> we will find out, Wayne, how do the good folk get back to us and give us their feedback on that topic or indeed more generally. Google the Countdown Podcast and get all of our socials. Go ahead and hit up our webpage, which is still fledgling, uh, even though I don't know the address. Was it thecountdownpodcast.com? There you go. How many weeks, motherfucker? Obviously, it's an issue that I'm having, Paul. Uh, or send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com. You can like and follow the show on Podbean, where we host, and check out the Facebook community. The link is in the show notes. And that is it for episode 384 today. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne, nice. and we got a fled conflict. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is soundboard. This is the dumbest shit around, anyone ever said in the history of, and I don't think I'm exaggerating here. Time. I'm gonna sound the fuck out of you later. <laughs> <laughs> Soft pass. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya.